Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And yes, this is the Homer and the Hater show, but it's not the actual Homer. The guy that's sitting next to me is the Homer who's being groomed by the real Homer. Lance Williams is off doing his own shenanigans. I'm not sure what that is, but I called up Brian Anthony Davis, said, hey, let's want to join the show. And here you are. Welcome aboard, Brian. I am glad to be here. I've, uh, I don't know if I have hater in me. But I'll, uh, I, I know I'm a, I am a homer. Yep. But Lance seems yep. to think that I have the, uh, because of my uh, initials, that I would be a great heel. And I don't know if I'm heel material. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not sure how this will go. But, you know, want to start off by saying anyone out there that is watching, listening, that is a mother, has a mother, is able to be around their mother, um, happy Mother's Day. Uh, I know that I've, wrote a story. It's a, I normally do this every mother's day. I do it on father's day as well. And, you know, I can be honest and say that, you know, my own mother who does watch these podcasts from time to time and has been known to hop into the live chat, which is hysterical when she does, but uh, she tolerated a lot from me as a kid. Um, she was not the driving force to me becoming a Steeler fan or anything. That was my old man, but my mom tolerated me in as, as an adolescent youth, spouting off Barry Foster's statistics from 1994, complaining that Neil O'Donnell was paid off in 1995 and all this stuff. Like she would tolerate me just telling her all this stuff. I would talk about Andy Van Slyke's splits on the road and at home and, and why he doesn't wear batting gloves. And she would always say this, Andy, Jeff, why don't you just focus on something that can actually be of value to you? It drove her nuts, but she tolerated it. She listened to my stories, but Hey, now that I'm doing this, all those stats and all that stuff panned out. So um, I wanted to say happy Mother's Day to my own mother out there. She's watching or listening. And obviously to my wife, who has given me five children. And it's been a blessing. And she's awesome. And she's amazing. It's the fact that on Mother's Day, I say, I got to go do a podcast. And she says, do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. She knows it won't take all day. But a super, super big happy Mother's Day to my wife as well. Brian, I'm sure you have similar things to say for you and yours. Yeah. You know what? My mom is actually, uh, I, she revised history because she actually, uh, tells my uh, family that I was like an angel as a child and that, uh, <laughs> that I never got in trouble. And I was like, what? I, mom, I could give you some exact dates where I pulled one over on you. <laughs> and she, <laughs> she, just, she just refuses to believe it. So I, I'll take it. Um, as far as uh, I actually originally declined to do the show today, and my wife looked at me and said, go, do it. You won't be on long, just like Jeff's wife said, and my wife has given me three children, and uh, I tell you what, I'm blessed because I never thought I'd have a family, and I started a family when I was 35, so um, it, without her, I don't know where I'd be, so uh, happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. Absolutely. So happy Mother's Day. We hope you're enjoying the day and we're going to talk about some Pittsburgh Steelers news and notes. Not really too much in terms of news. Um, Brian, something that you always keep track of. I want to get your thoughts on jersey numbers. The Steelers this week released jersey numbers and you always do your predictions. I haven't gone back and cross referenced. How close were you in terms of getting these both for the free agent acquisitions and the draft class? How close were you to jersey numbers? I was, if I'm not mistaken, I had uh, three of each. So I had uh, three of four, 
and three of six. So as far as the uh, free agent acquisitions, um, I the only one I got wrong was Chris Wormley. I predicted that he would be number 95, and he got 73. And uh, one of the players, uh, I believe, uh, Carlos uh, Davis, I predicted to have 73, and he got 95. Or No, he got 69. 69. It was Wormley got 95. It, I'm sorry. It was Dotson. That, I mean, I... Uh, okay. Yeah. So he then got- Dotson got 73, and I predicted Wormley to get 73. That's now Dotson got 69 and then Davis got 73. Okay. Right? Then it was Davis that I, I, I mixed it up. <laughs> We're all over. The- <laughs> <laughs> we are all over the map right now. <laughs> uh, I, I did mix it up, but I, uh, the one that um, I did not get right that uh, I really didn't come close on was I thought uh, McFarland would get 21. I did not expect him to put him into 26 right away. Um, and that's what they did. I did get Antoine Brooks correct. I did not get uh, Mr. Claypool right because of he getting 11. But I did get three of those right, including Antoine Brooks at 25. I know you talked about it on your show this past week. You think that was Ben's doing, not letting him take 83 because of Heath Miller? You know what? Dave Schofield thinks even more than I do. Um I'm not sure. I really didn't expect him to do it this year um, to veto him. I don't know, really know why. I can understand last year saying, okay, you're a tight end, number 83. You've got to earn that number. And that's uh, kind of what he did. I, I really didn't expect that to happen this year. So I'm actually going to say no, but I'm wondering if he did. To me, it's one of those situations. Heath Miller is an all-time stealer. He epitomizes being a stealer. He was a great player, great teammate. But the one thing is like that I don't understand is if a player can wear 82, you know, or at 88, and we're talking about some of the greatest receivers in Steelers history here, what does it matter if Heath Miller's number gets used? Now, I know that there's those numbers that aren't retired but aren't in circulation. Um, for instance, I don't think I don't think anyone's wearing 43 right now or has since Troy Polamalu retired. Not um, since. I don't remember as 12. There's then? never been a 12. There's never been a 32 and never been a 58. Okay. There has been a 59, um, but not very often. And they haven't done it for a long time. Um, as far as Jack Ham goes, yeah. 52 was another one that has not been worn again. Right. So they have these numbers that I, I don't know. It, it's I, I do love the jersey number discussion. And, you know, with the rookies, sometimes they just get slim pickings. And don't forget, people, that rookies can still change their numbers. A lot of times if someone that's on, let's say it's an XFL player that signs with the Steelers in the offseason and they have a number and then they don't make the team, sometimes the rookies will change their number not saying it's going to happen but it could so if you're rushing out there to get that chase claypool jersey you're probably safe because he's their top draft pick i think he's safe at getting 11 but at the same time maybe someone that was like in the back end i'm thinking someone like antoine brooks um or heck i mean some of the numbers just seem to fit though like high smith's get got 56 like that that's a that's an outside linebacker's number you know what i mean so and i i predicted that one actually yeah so um, here's here's one thing, though, Jeff, um, with the number one draft picks, the NFL does limit it. And we also had this discussion with uh, the possibility of Minka Fitzpatrick changing his number. 
because the NFL protects that number for a while or you have to buy those jerseys back. So while you can move it, you need they they, they kind don't like of you do it. yeah put the, there's there's a penalty if you go ahead and change at this point. So they're pretty much married to that number. So especially if you're a number one pick, you're number eleven now, or if you're Tua down in Miami, you're wearing number one, and that's what you're wearing. Yeah, that's a good point. And and we're gonna focus on the rookies today, but also any new player to the system. And this is all stemming from obviously this really awkward situation that our country, our globe is in right now with uh, COVID-19 and the uncertainty around that in the sports world, which is not not of the utmost importance, but it is still a talking point. And we are a Steelers show, so we're going to talk about it in that context. Moving forward, the NFL has said that they are going to be holding organized team activities or OTAs and potentially even mini camps and things like that from a virtual standpoint. Now that doesn't mean that chase Claypool is going to be running routes in his backyard and there's going to be a film of someone watching him. Maybe they do that. I don't think they will, but ultimately it comes down to, they're going to be learning things like the playbook, going into meetings, watching film, all those things can happen virtually, but that's not ultimately what the talking point is today. After we're done with this, by the way, we're going to get to some Q and a, so have your, have your questions queued up and ready to go after we're done with this. Brian, the question on the table is this virtual offseason workouts. How do you think it's going to impact the new players to the Steelers? I think in the headline, I put the rookies, but I think for the discussion, you can also throw in Eric Ebron, uh, Stefan Wisniewski, um, even Derek Watt, all these players that are new. What are your thoughts on how that's going to impact them with not having the physical repetitions that you would normally have? I think they're going to be behind a little bit and not because they're not professionals and not because they, they really, uh, they can't adapt quickly. We have seen it over time when Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have time with a player. It takes a while for them to get acclimated into the offense. The last one that I could probably bring up would be Vance McDonald. It took him quite a while to get into the swing of things. Now, one guy that it did not take a while to get into the swing of things with Ben was Ryan Switzer, and there's a big difference because he came in around week two of the preseason. So he came in late, but he came in week two. So as long as they have some kind of time, they shouldn't be really a setback because you need to, Ben needs time with a player to get acclimated to him. Um, and you could, but you saw with Vance McDonald later in the season, he, uh, they started gel because they had plenty of time together. And I know anytime I bring up the name Ryan Switzer, I'm going to get a flood <laughs> in the comments on how bad he is and how much he stinks, but he's with the team and he has a rapport with Ben Roethlisberger. And it's a lot about that rapport, but, and same thing with uh, Derek Watt, but I'm sure these guys are doing a lot of homework and doing what they can. And so that's going to uh, at least time with the playbook will uh, when they finally get together, they'll probably accelerated a lot quicker so yeah. a little bit it's going to set them back but not as much as the rookies because now you have rookies coming in who just haven't had time to get it together and this is league-wide so right. when we talk about and I, i've said this all along the six teams that did not have number one draft picks this year um the colts now have deforest buckner is their number one draft pick for 2020 
Uh, J- uh, Jalen Ramsey is the number one draft pick of the Rams for 2020. And it's the same thing in Pittsburgh. Minka Fitzpatrick is their number one draft pick. Now, that's that was a t- that was timely for them. Sure, they missed out on a number one pick, but the guys that replaced those number one picks are already completely acclimated to the team. So the rookies coming in, it's going to be you're not going to see a superstar right away come in because they're going to need more time. And, you know, when you think about it, it kind of softens the blow. Wouldn't you agree to the fact that the Steelers didn't have a lot of picks, only six draft picks total, no first round pick? Yeah, you want those players. But in terms of having an impact in 2020, you think about the Miami Dolphins who had 14 picks going into it. Now, they didn't end with 14 players, but still they would rely on rookies to come in and play right away. The Steelers don't necessarily have to do that. You agree with that sentiment? Absolutely. You know, know. you're you're looking at the same thing with the Arizona Cardinals gave up a pick for uh, to Miami for their running back last year, Kenyon Drake. And so now they they got, I think, a two or three back is what Miami got back. But that that player has to get acclimated. Drake's been there a while and he could just walk right into the season. I mean, he is good enough for that team that they were able to get rid of David Johnson and that helped net them. DeAndre Hopkins. So, you know, those trades where you think you're uh, you're giving up a draft pick and you are giving up a draft pick, but in this one year, 2020, the odd year that it's going to be, it's it's actually advantageous and they didn't know it going back then when they made those trades, but it's advantageous yeah. now when you're looking right. back with 2020 hindsight. Now, I think that when you ask, if, if someone were to ask me the question of how are rookies going to be impacted, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it depends on the position. Okay. If, if it is a position that is reliant on someone else, it is going to impact them greatly, mainly wide receivers, because what do you need to have to really get all those, that connection with the quarterback, you need physical repetitions, and Roethlisberger needs to see Chase Claypool where he wants that ball thrown on the back shoulder in the red zone. How does he run his cuts? Is he sharp on his cuts? Does he round them off more? The That only happens in physical repetition. However, go to another position, say like Highsmith, the pass rusher from uh, Charlotte, he is going to be able to dictate his own game. It's him versus the tackle. Now, that that doesn't mean that him getting reps wouldn't help. It would. He'd be able to work with coaches specifically for pass rushing. But ultimately, he's not relying on anyone else. He's relying on himself. He goes out and makes the play. I'd even go as far as saying that running back is similar. Now, they do have to work with the offensive line. They have to work on, okay, how do they set up their blocks, stretch read plays, um, all this different type of stuff. But for the most part, a running back, it's based on vision explosion, and then just being decisive with the football in their hands. With that said, I look at the list. Okay, so let's go through this and say on a scale from 0 to 10, 10 being it's going to impact them the most, 0 it's going to impact them the least. Chase Claypool, how would you say that this virtual offseason is going to impact him and his production in 2020? I would say an 8. I was going to say 7 or 8. I'm, I, I do think that he's still a physical freak that can just go out and make plays. There are still those situations. And my gosh, we've seen it for years with Ben Roethlisberger where it's, hey, I'm just going to throw it up, go make a play. He can still do that. So I think he he's 
going to be okay to an extent, but in terms of the fine, minute details, it might be a little different. Uh, let me talk Alex Highsmith. What do you think about him? You know, I would go ahead and say five. He has to learn the scheme still, but that's for anybody. But, you know, he should pick it up a whole lot quicker because of exactly what you said. Okay. I'm going to say that, uh, yeah, it's going to be around middle of the road, five, six. I think coming from Charlotte, he's going to be going against some really good competition compared to what he saw when he had 14 sacks last season for Charlotte in college, but still not as bad. Now, again, zero to 10, 10 being the, it's going to impact them the most zero being the least. Let's go to the fourth round pick. The first of two, Anthony McFarland running back out of Maryland. Now look with a running back, I would typically say a four or five, but in this situation for him, I'm going to say a seven. And the reason I'm going to go ahead and say that is because he still ha- he has to battle other guys. And the whole thing is time. And that time on that practice field, that time at St. Vincent, that is, that's crucial for him. And the time on the, on, uh, in rookie mini mini camp, they need to see more of him and he has to beat out other guys. Now, if he was coming in, in a situation where they had a huge hole at running back and, and they don't, there's not a huge hole. There's guys filling that spot. You might not love what they have there, but they're not bringing in a guy to be an instant starter right away at a running back like a lot of people think they do, but that's not the truth in reality. That's not what the Steelers think. This guy is a depth piece, and it was said on the line earlier that this was a depth draft, and so he's coming in and he's competing for um, more reps, and he can't do that on a computer screen. You're right. You're right. 100% agree. Um, With Anthony McFarlane, though, I'm still going to go about five, five or six, similar to High Smith in terms of impact. He's the type of player that's going to play in spots anyways. They're going to try to put him in position to really maximize his worth to the team. They're going to try to get him in space, make a man miss, and just go. You watch, you get... You get mesmerized by watching that 2018 film against Ohio State where he lit up the Buckeyes. And you see, oh my gosh, there is a ton of potential with this kid. I think they're going to use him wisely. Let's go to the other fourth-round pick, Kevin Dotson from Louisiana Lafayette, the offensive guard. What do you think? I'm going to say five. I actually think he comes in in a very good position here because he really comes in at the end of the uh, – end of the uh, – depth chart with the arrow pointing definitely up because in front of him, he's looking at the possibility of Matt Filer. If Matt Filer is indeed the starter at guard, if he's not the starter at tackle, Wisniewski is there too. And Wisniewski comes in with um, not only pedigree, but uh, you know, great performance, especially two out of the last three Super Bowls. So this guy has an opportunity to learn on the job. And when he does get in there to impress, but he doesn't have to come in right away. His job is safe. He's probably the one guy that 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 everybody's thinking, yeah, he's making the team regardless. I mean, we're, we can say that about Claypool, though, but his position, he's already slotted in behind these two guys, and they're yeah. really not expecting. And they don't want – you do not want him starting over Wisniewski and starting over filer if that's the spot because and the reason you don't is because that means those guys were disappointments 
Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's good. I'm going to say a four for Dodson. I, he's a road grader. I don't think he needs much help in run blocking. It's pass blocking that he needs some improvement on. Um, but I think that this, again, this is going to come down to his own preparedness. And a lot of people say that, you know, playing in a smaller school like Louisiana Lafayette is going to hurt him more than help. We'll see. We shall see. Let's go to some, this is the tough part. Now you get into those late round picks, six round pick Antoine Brooks out of Maryland, who reported yesterday, the Steelers are going to work him more at safety than linebacker. It was projected, or I guess suggested that it maybe he would be a hybrid player. What are your thoughts on Antoine Brooks? You know what? He's a guy that uh, being a sixth round draft pick, you've got to impress more. And the reason I'm going to say that is we have a perfect example from last year, Ulysses Gilbert III. He came in, a lot of people predicted that he would be lucky to make the roster. He would be lucky to make the practice squad. And he made the 53-man roster based on how he impressed in camp. He needs as much time as possible. So I would probably say that he would need an eight or a nine, not just because of his position, just because of where he was picked and how he's probably, if you're looking at the uh, the team as a whole, a 53-man roster, he's probably in that 48 to 53 range. Yeah, I agree with your eight with him in terms of how much is this going to impact him? Because he, if he's going to be safety, he's going to be going up against some other more veteran season players, whether it's Marcus Allen, Jordan Dangerfield, who know the system. They've been in the system. And if you're going to fight for reps outside of special teams, you need those reps. So it is going to be important. Lastly, let's go to Carlos Davis, your son, defensive tackle from Nebraska. What are your thoughts on him? I'm going to say an 11. <laughs> because he has not had the time to go and look for naked pictures of the uh, the brass of uh, whether it be uh, Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, uh, the uh, <laughs> anybody, the uh, play by play guys, the equipment managers. He needs to find uh, dirt on somebody, and he can't do that from home in the computer. Um, if he's going to beat out a guy like Daniel Shadetree McCullers, who obviously has had time to do all that. Because that's why he's still on the roster. <laughs> I'm going to go with the 10 as well. I, I don't want to call him out because he does listen to our podcast. He's been on a podcast with um, Dave Schofield on the Stat Geek, and that is Jeffrey Benedict, who writes for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. He's a great film film room guy for us, X's and O's. And he, <laughs> he, he I, I can see the back end of stuff, so can Brian. And when he started to do a film room on Carlos Davis, he had it titled... Carlos Davis film room, colon, this guy's out. <laughs> it's that, it was that bad. He's a project. Everyone knows he's a project. And so because with that, I, I think that he's going to miss these reps. I know that we had a writer, Michael Beck, yesterday who projected the stats for the rookies this upcoming year, and he had him slated on the, on the practice squad. I think that's a that's a very good realistic expectation for him, but this is it's gonna it's gonna kill him. It's gonna kill those project players. Any project player, not just on the Steelers, anywhere in the NFL, a player that was picked that is gonna be maybe switching positions or being considered a quote unquote project, this is going to kill them. I mean, it is one of those situations where not getting those physical reps is gonna be killer. I do want to mention though, again, I said this on our show on Thursday, I think I did. Maybe it was Wednesday with Lance on the standard as a standard. 
the NFL has stated that they are not going to reopen facilities until every single facility is able to be reopened across the nation. So that means that when you look at the hotspots and regarding to COVID-19 in California, in some places in New York and New Jersey, especially those are going to be the position, the, the places you're going to have to watch because even if Pittsburgh's doing well and their numbers are down and, and, Governor Wolf says, okay, we're going to lift some of the restrictions and they're going to be able to reopen. The NFL says, other than guys getting treatment, no, you cannot go back yet. Because it would be an unfair advantage. Don't you agree, Brian? Absolutely. You know, you uh, you can't have one team, you know, getting in there earlier than another. And the only time they really do that where you can go in a little bit earlier is if you have the Hall of Fame game. But you have to because you have to prepare a little bit earlier. But with with that, with it just being now, if you're in there and I'm still at home eating Cheetos, that, that's that's a disadvantage. Yeah, you're right. Okay, let's get to some questions in the live chat. We uh, I put out a question to say, hey, we have any questions of the show. Some are piling in. Let's get to some of these. Ron Chess says, as a rookie, do you feel McFarland, the running back, or Claypool, the wide receiver, make a bigger impact as a rookie? What do you think, Brian? I I still think it's Claypool making the biggest impact because he is going to have more of a chance to start, even though he might not be starting, but you're going to have those uh, three and four wides a whole lot more than you're going to have the third running back come in. Yeah, because McFarland is one of those guys. And I, I really don't want to say this. I don't want, I'm, I'm knocking on wood. My desk is made of solid wood. I just knocked on it there for everyone. That's superstitious. His what's intriguing about him is similar to what was intriguing about Dre Archer. I don't want to go there. I know it's, oh my gosh. I know that's the kiss of death. He's not the same player. I'm, I want to make that very clear. He's not the same player. Dre Archer and Chris Rainey, you breathed on him and they fell over. I think that he is a lot more well-rounded. He is a, a different style of player, but the intrigue is not going to lead to repetitions as necessarily as a rookie. Does that make sense? Am I, am I making it? Okay. okay. And if I can make you feel better though, a lot of that tree archer, tree archerishness would, you could put that along with a guy like Tyreek Hill, you know, Tyreek Hill came in as just a fast guy that was going to have to earn a whole heck of a lot. And he found a way to turn it around, even though different position, but yeah, he actually opened up um, being a wide receiver from just special teams. So, you know, that's uh, it's not the kiss of death, but I can see where it could be concerned. It's cringeworthy. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, Dree Archer, did you really have to go there? OK, um, this is a question that maybe you can answer. I know I certainly don't know enough about these players, but. Um, the question is, which of the XFL players that we picked up do you think will have the biggest impact on the team next year? I, I guess we're suggesting that one of them or more is going to make the team. How familiar are you with these players, Brian? There's two that, uh, and one I cannot remember his name. Um, it's the wide receiver I like a lot, um, and I can't, oh, I just can't, I can't put his name together. I mean, I look yeah, at yeah, it. Yeah. And, and I just don't have it. The other one is Kayvon Walker, the uh, defensive tackle, defensive lineman, has a, has an opportunity to possibly make this team. Remember, they love the guys out leader. of Maryland. Yeah. He was the snack leader, yeah. 
So, and he was the sack leader in the uh, XFL. He's another player out of Maryland. Obviously, they're scouting well, and and Mike Tomlin mm-hmm. has a lot of reason to go to games. Uh, um, one big reason to go to games with Dino being there. So uh, he's going to see a lot of these guys. So you know, Kayvon Walker is a guy that definitely has has some potential to uh, you know make a, a splash and get in there. Saeed Blacknell. So yeah, I. And yeah. I'll forget that tomorrow too. Um, <laughs> it, it's just uh, I just have to remember that name too. But I'm I'm excited to see what I have him penciled in. It's just I have him penciled in on the 53 in September. But as XFL guy, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I get it. I, I'm not going to pretend that I know enough about these guys to answer that question. So we're going to move on. Snowman puts two dollars in the tip jar. This is Brian Shazier's playing career over. Now, before Brian answers this, um, I want to preface this with that the Steelers had a decision to make with Mr. Shazier prior to the season. He was placed on the reserve slash retired list, meaning that the Steelers hold his rights in case he is able to play, but he is not on the team's payroll that impacts the salary cap. He is still a part of the organization from last I've read. But the question is, is his playing career over? Brian, what do you think? I think it is. I I really think that even if he comes back, it's going to be awfully hard to come close to uh, the precision and the speed and be, be close to being the player that he was. But I am, I am fully supportive of Ryan Shazier keeping the dream alive. I'm fully supportive of the Steelers keeping the dream alive and saying, if you can come back, you keep working because somebody, I mean, there are just because of the physical damage, there's a lot of mental stress of somebody that really wants to get back out there and they need that carrot. They need something to push for. So I would never go up to the guy and say, you're never playing again. I yeah. think the odds are really tough. I don't think he's going to play again. But if one person with the heart that we've seen has a chance to do it, it's a guy like Ryan Shazier and others in this situation that are going to press on and do whatever they can to shock the world and at least don't take the opportunity away from him to do it. I agree. And uh, people have asked me this a million times since 2017. And people will say, well, he shouldn't or he couldn't or this. And it's like, why would you want to place limitations on a man who's working hard to get back to being right? Maybe being right might look different than what it did just three short years ago. And it's like you said, dangling that carrot, something to to strive for, something that's going to keep him motivated. If that's playing again, then let him let him strive to play again. And maybe he never does play, again, but it's not my job. It's not my expertise. I don't know any, they have no inside information. If Ryan Chazier wants to play again and he's physically able, that's his life. That's his decision. He has a family and he would weigh that into the equation, but it's not my decision, period. I mean, it, it, I, I'm rooting for him in whatever he does. I bought a Shaylee shirt from the 412 Clothing Company when he got hurt. I wear proudly all the time. People ask me what it means because here in Maryland, they don't understand like the Shea leave is a part of Ryan Shea's year. And um, you know what, whatever that young man decides to do in life, I think he's going to be successful. He's already proven that he's beaten the odds. 
no one told him he'd be able to walk again. And he's walking still with a little bit of a hitch in his gait, but ultimately he's proven that he has beaten the odds already. So who am I to say he can't continue to do that throughout his rehabilitation? So let's keep that in mind. All right. Donald Nolan says, do you think Claypool will push out one of the three receivers ahead of him, Juju, Deontay, or James Washington? Possibly. Because, um, you know, what? if you look back at 2019, Deontay Johnson was expected to be the third or fourth guy coming in. And towards the end of the 2019 season, a lot of people felt like he was your number one or two guy. And at the end, he was pr probably playing like a number one guy because Juju was injured. So, you know, I would probably think that Claypool is going to come in as a number four guy. He might push one of those guys out. But if I'm a guy like James Washington, if I'm a guy like Deontay Johnson, even Juju, I'm going to say not so fast. I mean, I'm going to do whatever I can and work as hard as I can to not let them push me out. These guys are going to get four equal opportunities to be that number one guy, each and every one of them. Um, the rapport with Ben Roethlisberger is going to mean a lot. Deontay Johnson doesn't have a huge rapport with Ben Roethlisberger either. Um, James Washington might have a little bit more, but a lot of people don't realize that James Washington was the leading receiver of this team in 2019 by a few yards, um, maybe 30, 40 yards over uh, Deontay Johnson. So, you know, they all have an opportunity to play. I think you have a pretty strong foursome there. Yeah, I don't think he's going to – and that was another person that wrote an article for our website that said that he's not going to be pushing anyone off the roster, probably not even Ryan Switzer, as as crazy as that is, because Ryan Switzer has become a, a whipping boy for the Steelers fan base, and they want him gone. Uh, okay, but if, if there's someone good enough to replace him, then, yeah, he should be gone. But right now, Claypool's just going to fit in where he fits in. I don't think he's going to be pushing anyone off the roster. Will he push them to be better? That's a possibility. I'm all for that, but we'll see. Here's a good question here from Chris Grant. He says, would you rather, here's the, the scenarios, Ben Roethlisberger plays three more years and the Steelers get to one Super Bowl. Does not, he says, may or may not win. Or the Steelers win the Super Bowl this year and then Ben, Pouncey, Colbert, and Tomlin all walk away on top with their seventh Super Bowl. What would you choose there, Brian, out of those two? Two. Number two. Take the take the ring, right? You get the ring. Because here's the thing. The end is drawing near for a lot of those guys. They don't have their ring. Well, Tomlin has his ring. But those other guys don't have their rings. They get their ring. They go off on, on heroes, go off as heroes, and it's a lot easier to accept them retiring and starting over at that point. And, you know, the Steelers don't really even have to start over. They can just move ahead and uh, with other people elevated and not, in, not having to look out over their shoulders and when they're going to get an opportunity. I've learned as I got older that you never, never take a Super Bowl victory for granted. We'll put it that way. Um, and the Steeler fans that lived through the 70s and then had the drought and didn't even get back until 95 and Super Bowl 30. And then there was almost another mini drought until 2005. Um, you, you never take it for granted. So if they were to win it this year and then they all step down, yes, that's awesome. And that will, the Steelers are a world-class organization. They'll rebuild. It might take a few years, but 
I, I would never turn down a Super Bowl win because there's no guarantee, just like Super Bowl 45, no guarantee you're going to win it. Getting there is is not is not enough, as we found. And, you know, I think about the 49ers fan base. In the last two Super Bowls they've been to, they've lost. Lost to the Ravens, and obviously last year um, <clears throat> they lost. So it's going to be really, really interesting. But if I were to take one of those two scenarios, I will take number two as well. Because And Jeff, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You're fine. And I'm not even 99-1 on that. I'm 100% uh, on that. Yeah. There is no uh, – I would not take – with those two, I'm taking – any day of the week and twice on Sundays, that option number two and taking that rain. I think sometimes like this is a debate for Steeler fans that have had six Super Bowl wins already. Talk to a, a Buffalo Bills fan. You know, they, they would sell their soul to just get a Super Bowl win. <laughs> you know, um, the Chiefs last year, they hadn't had a Super Bowl win in a long time. The Philadelphia Eagles prior to them. A lot of times Steeler fans they, they take for granted all the, the, the success that the team has had throughout the, the, well, not since 1933, but at least since the seventies. So keep that in. But if they're pirates fans too, oh. then they know that 40 year that going on 41 years now, they know that drought. Don't, uh, why'd you have to do that? Like, why do you have to bring up the pirates? I mean, seriously, <laughs> I was in a good mood. It's been a good day so far. The it's wrapping up the show. <laughs> It's just to see how we can relate. That's it. But there's still hope. If Kansas right. City can do it after 50 years and and the Eagles could do it after forever, the Pirates could too. I'm yeah. sorry. Is, is there hope? <laughs> I mean, you talk about the, the 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 2015 team that what what did they they won 100 games or close to 100 games? 98. Yeah. No. 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 Not the, the Pirates. Yeah, the Pirates won 98 that year. Oh, 98. I think you meant 1990. I was like, that's not 98. They sucked <laughs> in 98. <laughs> 98. Yeah, I mean, they, they had their chance that year, and, and by all means, it's they have to spend the money, and we'll see. Um, see, you sour my mood. There you went. Sour my mood. It was just <laughs> adding color to it, Jeff. Yeah. And Donald Nolan brings up that the 79 Pirates won in the in the Steelers in 79 won. And that was when they were dubbed the City of Champions, which they were able to do again in 2009 when the Stanley Cup came to Pittsburgh with the Penguins and Sidney Crosby being the youngest captain to ever win it all. And that was Super Bowl 43 when the Steelers had won uh, that game against the Arizona Cardinals. So there you go. <laughs> Ezra says, unless Willie Stargell is on is on in the on deck circle, the Pirates will never see another World Series. Sorry, uh, Ezra, I'm not going to disagree with you. Roberto Clemente is not going to walk through a door. <laughs> the next Roberto Clemente, um, it's it's a sad state of affairs. But you know what? We're both Brian and I are both Pittsburgh fans, and people ask me all the time, "Oh, you're a Steelers fan," and I always say the same thing: I'm a Pittsburgh fan, meaning I like the Steelers, Penguins, and the Pirates. I do not. I have a love for them that is equal. I just talk about the Steelers. I write about the Steelers. I love all the teams. I follow all the teams. And so it's it's just uh, being Pittsburgh fan is pretty – we can't complain, Brian. <laughs> we cannot complain, you know, man. Jeff, you know what I miss for the first time in like three or four years? On that last day in March or first day in April, the first day of the season, I didn't get the text saying, hey, what's the password for the Steelers this year? Over the Pirates. <laughs> the Pirates. The Pirates yeah. <laughs> What's the password so we can watch the games? And then I know, like, I'm like, all right, I'll sign up. And then on May 1st, I'm like, why did I pay for this? 
Oh my gosh. But yeah, I mean, if you're a Pittsburgh fan, like for instance, uh, I talk about my father, you know, my dad has seen two world series championships. He's seen six super bowls and he's seen five Stanley cup championships. That is outside of Boston and the, the teams up there. My goodness, we have it good. We, we really do. And it might, we might be in a little bit of a drought right now with the Steelers that can all change. We'll see. And we, we did our predictions, by the way, that we had some issues with the audio. I couldn't take that over to audio platform, that show, but it's on YouTube. Check it out. We all gave our 2020 Steelers predictions. So check that out. But Brian, anything else you want to add before we uh, call it a show and we go enjoy our, the mothers in our lives for the day? Now, to add on to what you were just saying, the schedule looks beautiful. I really like the balanced schedule that the uh, Steelers have, even with the uh, one and three down the stretch, as far as, uh, as uh, home games to away games, I know there's that's uh, it, one for uh, their last four and as far as home games, but the games really on the road aren't that bad in that final stretch. I really think this is an advantageous schedule for the Steelers. I really love the fact that, uh, hey, if our kids are in Zoom meetings, I'm doing uh, scout Zoom meetings, I'm doing work Skype. In fact, my work, we did a Cinco de Mayo party the other day. We yeah. had... We had a Cinco de Mayo Zoom, and it, it was just one of those things that if we can do all that, then I'm sure that these rookies and these new guys coming in can do this over Zoom or Skype or however they do this, and uh, whoever wants to take the most advantage of it, it's advantageous to it. Whoever takes it the most seriously, it's really going to benefit coming in. So I'm really excited for the Steeler team. I know it's May and we're not looking at minicamp coming right around the corner, but they're doing some kind. So I love it. Just bring it on. Yeah. And Ryan O'Toole asked, when are we going to talk about the schedule? We did the whole schedule show. It was myself, Brian, Dave Schofield, and Lance Williams. That was on Thursday. You can go back and check that out. We gave individual game predictions. We talked about little nuances about the schedule that are unique, like only four primetime games, et cetera. So go and check that out. But I'll tell you what, it's been a good show. Didn't want it to run long. It's Mother's Day. We want to go out and celebrate all the mothers in our lives. We recommend you do the same if you are able to. Um, Brian, thank you for jumping on on short notice. We appreciate it. No problem. Uh, Glad to be he'll here. Be, He'll be back again tomorrow, Monday, for a Steelers Q&A, and we'll be off for the regular week. So um, as Lance Williams always says, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Homer and the Hater Show. Take it easy, everyone.